0: That song we just sang it says um there 's a part in there. it says, "Here I raise my Ebenezer." Anybody know what that means the The first thing that I thought of was Ebenezer Scrooge from the uh, from the story you know, and a guy named Robert Morris in, 19, in 1758, 1758, he wrote this song. He had heard a discourse preached by Charles George Whitfield. It was called "The Wrath to Come." He was deep, so deeply impressed that after a period of much quiet and solitude, he gave himself over to the Lord, and then he wrote this song there's a part in it he says, "Prone to wander." Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That I don't know what it just it grips me because I feel like that's exactly where a lot of us sometimes are. You know, I mean maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that wrestles with this. Maybe I'm the only one that that would say, Lord, it's so easy to just go with, with the flow. It's so easy just to sit back and ride the easy street. This, this, this part here about what he says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. This is found in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 7. The prophet Samuel and the Israelites found themselves under attack by the Philistines. Fearing for their lives, they had just gotten the Ark of the Covenant back in their possession. They were so fearful Samuel. They told Samuel, they said, offer a sacrifice to God and pray for our protection. God listened to Samuel, causing the Philistines to lose the battle because the Lord had went before them. They retreated back to their own territory, and the Israelites had a great victory. And it's in that part, in 1 Samuel 7, verse 12, it says, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpon Shen, and then he called its name Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. This is why he said that. Because he had realized that it was a monumental stone meant to signify the great help that God had granted as they were doing this. See, it wasn't as though they were already completed the battle. It wasn't as though it was all done for them. It was just that, it was almost like, to me, it's like that midway point. And I believe that the Lord is even telling us tonight, listen, it's it's just the midway point. Don't give up. I've brought you this far. Tonight I was going to bring a stone, and I was going to just lay it out here and say, this is our Ebenezer tonight to raise that Ebenezer, to raise that stone that God, just as a monumental thing to say, God, you've brought us this far, and you're not going to leave us. The Bible says in the New Testament, he who began a good work is able to bring it to completion. So he didn't, he didn't bring us all this way to say, okay, now I'm just going to drop you off. You know, it may look dire. It may look, it may look dreadful in our lives at times. It may look difficult. See, in the book of Judges, I talked about this on Sunday. The book of Judges ends with this. It says, In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It's kind of like we're in that world today. Everybody just does what they think is right, and there's there's really no black and white anymore. Grace is freely dispersed, and so, you know what, we can just kind of do what we want to do. But it's in this time in the Bible, in verse 6 of that same chapter, it says, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. They had an Ebenezer moment. See, they were so impoverished means to hang, to bring low, to languish, to thin out the vines. To cry out means to call, to shout aloud together, assembled. A voice in unison, crying out together. See, unless our suffering leads us to a place of repentance, it accomplishes no lasting good. And unless our repentance is evidence of the holy desire to turn from sin, not just escape from the pain, it's only remorse. So tonight, just briefly, I wanted to share this with you. It's just kind of like a rerun from Sunday for some of you guys, I know. But see, as the Lord was angry with Israel because they had not... Listen to what he had said. They had not done the things that he had told them to do. The Bible actually says that it's it's as if he he took his promise, but he says, I will drive out the enemy before you, he told them. And then then he says, because of their disobedience, he says, I will will no longer drive out the enemy. I will no longer drive out the enemy before you. Because they needed to bring to themselves into place of repentance. Judges 6, 8 says the prophet came and he gave them the he gave them the in verse 10 he gave them the answer. He said the prophet same says thus saith the lord the god of israel, it was i who brought you up out of egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. God saying, listen, i'm the one that has done this. But the reason i haven't done anything further is because you have not obeyed me. There's a place i believe in guys in our in our community, in our churches, in our families we look we look at Gideon's life here, and as I told you guys on I talked about on Sunday, Gideon had to go and pull down the astral pole and the things that were erected by his dad. His own father. So tonight I believe God's wanting to draw us back into that place. I'm going I'm to share two last things with you. I wanted to, this was so important to me on Sunday because it, it says in, in, in Judges 6.11, the angel of the Lord came, down and s- came and sat down. This was Jesus. This was the pre-incarnate Christ under the oak tree at Ophrah and Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. He was not idle. He was strategically working to sustain his family. God was looking at his heart. God looks for the willing, not the well qualified. See, he qualifies the willing. Here's what the threshing floor would have looked like. But here's where Gideon was he was in a wine press. He wasn't in the normal place to thresh out the wheat. And this threshing floor was the place where God and man would meet. It was symbolic, even in the New Testament, of that the, of cutting the chaff and then getting that little grain. That's what they were looking for. They needed to get rid of all that extra stuff. It would actually blow off or it would be tossed into the wind so that it would, it would just fly away. But God was saying, listen... If you you put yourself in a strategic position, you're working for what God wants you to do. You're willing. He says, I will qualify you. Don't worry about your qualifications. Look at Gideon. Gideon was sitting there going, listen, look at all these things, man. I'm the least of my tribe. Look at my dad's got an astro pole in front of his house. For goodness sake, you're going to use me, Lord? See, but he was looking... This, this threshing floor was symbolic of the place where he and God would meet. Gideon was, was that typical. He was in the secret place. He was in the wine press. He put in, This is. I missed this a couple times when I had read it before because I saw him in this threshing floor and I saw that, but I didn't see the fact that he was hiding out. He had got himself into a hole. He had put himself into a place to burrow in. He wasn't out there, oh, look at me. He was in there going, listen, I've got I to keep my family fed. And this is not going to be easy because the Midianites would come in and every time they were like locusts, they would come in and just ravage everything they had. And, he st- and here, it is in this place that the Lord says to him, the Lord says, oh, mighty valiant warrior, the guy who's hiding in a wine press, the guy... But see, God wasn't looking at where He was at. God was looking at what was going on in here. He was diligent for the things of God. When we get ourselves into a place, it doesn't matter. See, this is where that whole the, the movie about the, um, the war room, is talking about getting into a place of humility, getting into a hollowed out place, getting into a place where no one is watching, but you're still working. You're diligent. You're not idle. You're continuing to press in. I will offer you guys this. It is very easy to get in the tube and ride the grace train with everybody else in the world, but they're going to hell. But it is a lot more difficult to get yourself into a place and go, man, I am going to contend for the things that God wants me to contend for, and not give up. But I want you to know that it's in that place when no one's watching, when no one's looking, when you're not on the fanfare, you're not on the stage, you're over here in the place, in the wine press... Because you're just doing what God wants you to do. See, some of you—I said this on Sunday. I said some of you need this word today, in the place of hiding, in the place of weakness, but you're still working, in the place of searching out God, straining, looking for that place, staying in that place where God and man meet, in that hollowed-out place, in that ground place. That's the place. That's the meeting in the war room. That's the valiant warrior when G, when God turns to him and he says, "Oh, valiant warrior." He's saying, look, this is the thing, is there was an encounter with God. This is Jesus looking at him. I just said it, just in the verse before I said, it was the pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus, it says here, looked at him and said. See, he, he was giving him, that encounter with Jesus was going to change Everything. So guys, tonight, I want you to know, you may be the least. You may be in obscurity. You may not not even feel like God's even answering your prayers at times. But he says, listen, go in your strength because I'm going to give you my strength. I am sending you. That's what he told Gideon. He says, I am sending you. If I'm propelling you, you don't have to worry about how powerful you are. You just go in my strength. In Judges chapter in six verse fourteen, he says, "This go in, in your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? See that eye contact, that encounter with Jesus, meant not, not self confidence but Christ's confidence. Jesus is looking at us. Jesus is giving us the strength. In Second Chronicles sixteen nine, he says, he says there, he says." His eyes are... Did I go too far? There it is. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Don't worry about what's going on on the outside. Stay. Maybe you guys tonight, you've got to get in that hollowed out place. You've got to get in that place and you're, gonna be, you're just diligent. You're just saying, I'm going to stay there, God, no matter what it takes. No matter what the answer on the outside is. Believe me, this is the part that's most difficult because I think Here's a, here's a godly man being, being persecuted in the, in the sense of he's having to suffer all the consequences of the sin of Israel. It's the same thing for us today. Our churches, our families, our nation... We suffer the same consequence, but there are people that will gather together and say, God, we cry out. We cry out on the behalf of Springville. We cry out on the behalf of our churches. We cry out on behalf of those who maybe don't even know how to cry out. We will contend. We will continue. Not be idle. We'll continue working. I love the fact that here's Gideon. He, he could have been doing a lot of things, but he's diligent. He's diligent. He's working for His very family so that they can be sustained in the midst of turmoil. See, when I go back to this song, that stone of help, that, that raising the stone of Ebenezer... We're going to sing that song one more time. It's going to mean something different now when you sing it. I'm going to tell you guys. When you sing this, 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 this hymn tonight again, see, it is a stone of help symbolically. See, God is telling us, expect the worst. Don't be surprised by the worst. But pray and contend for the best. Rejoice in both. That's not something we really hear. But He says, in all circumstances... Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. So he's telling us, listen, no matter what it looks like, whatever comes your way, things have come our way this week, right? And we go, thank you Jesus. You're, 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 you're bringing us to the place where we need to be. Gideon's answer there, he answers the Lord in verse in, in 13. He says, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. See, here here Gideon, he, he, he takes that same attitude that we have today. And this is the one I want to repent of tonight. It is that attitude of entitlement. It is that attitude that says, I deserve better. I deserve more. You know what? I want you to look at Gideon's life here. Did he deserve more because he was a godly man? I'm sure we could say, yes, he did. But he still had to suffer with the people of God because of their sin. Righteous people suffer in the midst of the sin of a nation. Righteous people suffer in the midst of the sin of the church. And in the midst of that, they cry out and they say, God, not in an entitlement way, but in a way saying, God, please... I cry out on behalf of those who can't cry out for themselves. I'm crying out for our city. He has given us the prescription. He has given us how to do it. He's given us the determination. And He says, listen, it's just like in the New Testament. We're always ready. That's what I see Gideon. I see his lamp ready. He's re- Okay, Jesus... I don't, know when, I don't know when Jesus is coming. And when I mean that, I don't mean in the sense of the rapture. I mean, I don't know when His Spirit is going to come and just overwhelm us and overpower us. and we all just get laid out. I don't know when that's happening. I don't even know if it's going to happen. But I know this. I want to be in the position. I want to put myself in the position that He has described so that I'm available. When He does, I can, I can be there. But if I'm not doing like Gideon, I could have very... Gideon could have very well been doing what everybody else was doing. But he wasn't idle. He was contending. He was contending for... It. So there's twofold things I want us to pray tonight. Here's the one, first thing. Is here I want to raise my Ebenezer. When we sing this tonight, raising our Ebenezer, thus far the Lord has helped us. We haven't yet arrived, but He has been with us this far. And then the second thing is that He will find us diligent, working, doing, being... For that chance encounter with him. As I finish about repentance, I'm gonna use let, let Dr. Brown just finish this off.
1: We see God's response to repentance sinner when we look at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. The father is waiting for his son to come home. And when the son comes home, he doesn't say, What do you do? You jerk! You're so stupid! Get away from me! You're not my son anymore! No, he welcomes him back, and in fact, he celebrates his return. That's the father's heart towards us when we come in real repentance. We need to recognize when Jesus died for you and for me, he already knew every sin we were ever going to commit. Not just the sins we committed before we were saved, but the sins we would commit after we were saved. And even on our very best day, we still fall short, we still need mercy. We need to start with the recognition that God loves us as his children and has brought us to himself. And He desires to be with us. And the worst day we've ever had, when we've sinned grievously and really blown it, He's saying, come back to me. Not so He can heap condemnation on us, but so He can restore us. And if He disciplines us, it's for our own good that we can share in His holiness. Condemnation says, you are guilty, go away from me conviction says you have sinned, come near to me. The Father is always calling you back. Christians need to repent probably every day of their lives it doesn't mean grovel it doesn't mean beat themselves but Jesus says in Revelation 3.19 as many as I love are rebuke and discipline therefore be zealous and repent so repentance can be over the course of the day when I realize I thought a wrong thought I realize I was neglectful in prayer I realize I was unkind towards someone I realize I, I had a lustful glance Father I'm sorry that's not who I am I turn from that in Jesus name and we go forward so this is part of our life and it's it's something that helps us walk in intimacy with God because we're going not going to let anything stand in the way of our fellowship with Him. If you turn back to Him, no matter how far you've gone, no matter what you've done, if you turn back to Him, He'll have mercy on you. He'll give you a fresh new start. He'll wash your sins away with the blood of Jesus. You say, yeah, but I used to know Him. I knew better. He loves you all the more because He knows you and He sent His Son looking for you. Jesus told us in parables that the shepherd will leave the 99 sheep who were saved and will go out after that one lost sheep. He sent His Son looking for you today. Turn back and this can be the first day of a brand new life.
2: My heart, Lord, take and see.
0: display praise you tonight. Lord, we thank you. God, we call out to you tonight. We cry out. God, we cry out to you tonight, Lord. God, we desire you. We desire you more than anything. And Lord, tonight my heart's cry is, Lord, that I would not have a spirit of entitlement, but Lord, that I would place myself in position, just like Gideon. Lord, that I would get myself in position. I would be diligently doing what you're calling us to do. And no matter who's looking, who's watching, God, that we would be content We'd be contending with you. And Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would just reach down your hand, Lord. And as we worship you, God, I pray that that the enemy would not be able to take our shout. God, that the enemy would not be able to take our praise. God, that the enemy would not be able to take, even when we got to contend, even when we have to wrestle sometimes through that prayer time. God, it is in that place that you're watching, that you're looking just like you did at Gideon. And you're saying, oh valiant warrior, though I don't look like it, though I look weak, on the outside. Lord I look like I am have no faith even at times but Lord in the midst of that you're looking down and Lord your eyes make contact with mine and Lord it is that encounter with you that changes everything. Lord I pray tonight God we cry out for that encounter. God we position ourselves even tonight. Lord that you come. Lord that you would move in our midst. That you would transform us transform. Start right here God. Start right here with us Lord we know that our nation is godless Lord we know that even our cities in this nation are godless and God we cry out for them even right now we cry out for our churches in this city God we cry out for Springville right now even for Sequoia Dawn Lord that you would contend with us God that you would draw near draw near to us God as we draw near to you we praise you tonight, Lord. God, we know that there are men mightier than us. That the enemy has tried to steal their praise. He has tried to steal their shout. But God, we will not let our shout. We will not let our praise. God, we will praise you in no matter what it takes. God, we stand in the midst of whatever happens around us. God, we will contend. We praise you tonight. We thank you, Lord.